Welcome to People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose is a podcast of inspiring people whose stories help you see things differently, live with intentionality, elevate the way you participate in the world, and take the necessary leaps in your life to seek and find your passions. Come with us and develop the courage to wholeheartedly pursue your purpose and unleash your truest potential. Fear to me is coming from a place of anti-vision. If I live my life from fear, the things that I want to show up in my life and that I have a vision for uh, don't come in quite as much abundance or really probably not at all. I arrived to Minneapolis six and a half years ago and I sat down over here in this living room that's behind us and I had my family and my best friends intervene upon me to tell me that I had a drinking problem and a drug problem. I lived my life at that time in New York very isolated and very alone and pretty much thinking that I was better than or I would never need love in my life ever again. And so what had showed up on that day being intervened upon was love. It's almost like if I was a, a martial artist and I had gotten a black belt, I'm back on the mat the next day doing the same things that got me there when I was a white belt. What discipline has done is it's provided that practice. It's provided those pieces around deep self-care and actions of self-care that I think are really at the root of my success. I think we were born to move. I think we should move as if life depends on it, because it does. So my purpose is to create a path of courage, joy, and aliveness by living in gratitude. My guest this week is Nick Knudsen. Nick is a self-described chef, coach, and warrior. Nick's life is guided by his intention of being fully present in work, play, and relationships. Following an eight-year career in film production in LA and NYC, Nick arrived in Minneapolis six and a half years ago, where he committed himself to living a sober life. With the love and support of family and friends, Nick traded in his camera for a chef's knife. Self-taught as a chef, he co-founded his first business, Origin Meals a paleo-inspired meal delivery service. He has since sold this company, and now he devotes himself to another meaningful pursuit with the founding of Wild Joy. Through Wild Joy, he uses his life's experience to guide others to an inspired life after sobriety through courage, joy, and aliveness. Nick and I met in St. Paul, Minnesota at his open house event for his wellness and recovery project, Wild Joy. I remember sitting in my car, reading the Facebook invite from my friend Ken, and thinking that this is the exact kind of guy I need to have on People of Purpose. My introduction with Nick was on Facebook Messenger right then and there. I told him I was coming to Wild Joy the next day and wanted to borrow some of his time to record an episode for the podcast. We worked out and ate some amazing home-cooked food. I met Nick's tribe, Nick's family, and then heard from some longtime members on how they apply life mastery techniques taught in Wild Joy. 
Everything was fascinating, and I felt so alive and joyful on this Sunday afternoon. I even won the raffle for a private workout session with Nick. Through a series of events, I found myself at Nick's dining room table in South Minneapolis, where we recorded this episode with his girlfriend, Julia Starr, featured on episode two, sitting right beside him. When the meeting ended, I caught up with Dan, a good friend and mentor of Nick and dedicated member of Wild Joy, who had just articulated to the group what Wild Joy means for his life. First, listen to Dan's testimony, and then enjoy the following conversation with Nick Knutson. Wild Joy means to me is a part of a community of people coming together in recovery. So I know a lot of times in the rooms we focus on step work and treatment, we kind of focus on getting the groundwork done. Wild Joy kind of brings it to the next step in life. So you can use a lot of different tools that you're not necessarily not using, but you kind of have more of a guided vision to help use these, kind of breach the gaps to your next step in life. So coming together as a community to work out, coming together as a community to eat healthy, coming together as a community to just really embrace different visions and ideas that can kind of help you uh, either with your career, with your relationships, with some of your personal goals that you have. I've used Wild Joy to kind of make sure that I'm showing up in my life for other people in recovery and make sure that I'm showing up in my life for things that I just don't want to put on the next year's New Year's resolution list. So yeah, Wild Joy to me, the name is very uh, particular because when you think about wild and you think about joy, right? Um, we usually don't think about that in the life of recovery. You know, wild was, you know, we kind of think like we're wild and crazy. And joy, you kind of think about like this everlasting joy where it's like, you know, something that is just so grateful. But you kind of build both of them together, wild joy. You kind of have a mix of something that kind of flourishes inside that is just so crazy and so joyous that you can kind of bring to other spots in your life. Wild joy really means to me the ability of bringing my recovery to the next level. It's just not like a meeting. It's just not like a center that I go to. It's more of a community that I live with. Hi, Nick. Hi. How are you? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm great. I just had a wonderful time today at your open house workshop and feeling super good, energized, and excited to talk to you. Awesome. Yeah, me too. Thanks for the opportunity to sit down and talk with you. Cool. Have a little dialogue. So I first wanted to talk about, as we open the podcast, how do you start your day? What is your mindset you take into the day when you first wake up? As soon as I wake up, I try to take a deep breath of gratitude. I guess the the main piece about gratitude is that it's, I guess it fuels pretty much everything I do in my life. It's a big part of my purpose. And to wake up and have a sense of gratitude or at least to invite gratitude into my morning or into my day, uh, I think just sort of helps me uh, set a good intention and a, and a good course of, of purpose for the day. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. What are you grateful for today? Wow. Well, I'm grateful to be alive. Uh, first and foremost, uh, I'm grateful for the great weather uh, that we've been having here. We're in Minnesota. For those of you not uh, <laughs> not sure where we are, of Minneapolis, Minnesota. So uh, you had talked about an open house that you just were at. So I'm grateful for the opportunity to put on this uh, open house and 
to my mom and my dad, my girlfriend, to my uh, brother and sister-in-law who showed up, just uh, and everyone else who showed up, just the level of uh, support and love that people bring uh, to my life, I think is sort of the piece I'm most grateful for today. Yeah. Um, one poignant piece during the open house today came when you talked about how every day you have a choice to choose either love or fear. Can you go into that a little bit more? Yeah. So, so you talked about how I start my day. I end my day with that question, sort of to check in with myself at the end of my day. Did I show up from uh, a place of love or did I show up from a place of fear? Mm -hmm. The best way I can describe that is that where I want to be coming from in my life is from a definite place of love. I think coming from a place of love is, is coming from a place of hope, a uh, place of possibility, a mm -hmm. uh, place of, of vision. Yeah. And coming from a place of fear is, you know, coming from, uh, living my life more with anxiety, living my life with more stress, living my life sometimes with uh, pent up anger or expressed anger. I guess all of those are, uh, or maybe more out of my ego, yeah. uh, per se. So the love is maybe the more selfless and the fear is more selfish. Wow. That makes a lot of sense. So yeah. And the other piece that I like to say is, as it relates to vision, uh, is that fear to me is, is coming from a place of anti-vision. If I live my life from fear, the things that I want to show up in my life and that I have a vision for, uh, don't come in quite as much abundance or really probably not at all. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So what is it that is your vision right now? What are you applying love towards? Well, my, uh, my vision for myself for this year is, um, gosh, it's, um, you know, living mastery is one vision I have for myself. Um, Another vision I have is, is trust. Uh, and then the other vision I have for myself is to um, essentially like play the edge, uh, which is to have both passion and composure uh, throughout my day-to-day -day life. Yeah, wow. That's really cool. Thanks. Yeah. So what fears have you had to face um, on this journey you're on? complete some of these missions? I think the biggest fear I have, and I guess it's also sort of a judgment that kind of lingers on with me, is that perhaps I'm not good enough. I also think that it's a fear that I won't be good enough as well. Another fear that comes around is, will there be love and support in my life as I try to take uh, risks. Mm -hmm. I think that that's another fear I have. And what are you finding as you take the risks? Is the love and support going away? Or well, today is a great example that it showed up in quite an abundant way. I, with the, my parents showing up and a, a great group of individuals that showed up to attend the event and my girlfriend, who's sitting next to my left, just uh, so she may chime in. It's Julia. So... It really, it doesn't, I guess at the end of the day, like I have to ask myself, like, does fear really serve a purpose or is it really serving me? I like this Rumi poem, which is, I think, called The Guest. 
And in a way, it kind of invites all different sorts of feelings that you want to sort of have sit at your table. Um, accept them with open arms, but don't let them drive my life. Yeah. So I want to say that it's okay to have fear, but I don't want to necessarily drive my life from that place of fear. So again, coming back to that love or fear question, I think that as I had fear moving into this event and sometimes in my life, I try to, you know, really stop and think about like the actions and the choices I make that can really propel me from that place of love. Yeah. Today, um, it was awesome seeing your parents there and supporting you and like your food was amazing. You're really in your element. Your girlfriend was really supportive. Today, when I had just a short chat with your parents, they talked about how you're a completely different person than you were six and a half years ago. Can you talk about uh, where your journey started um, six and a half years ago? Yeah, so I arrived into Minneapolis. I was living in New York City about three years prior to that. And I entered a, a dark place in my life, which I would define as a, a period of alcoholism and drug addiction. So I arrived to Minneapolis six and a half years ago, and I sat down over here in this living room that's behind us, and I had my family and my best friends intervene upon me to tell me that I had a drinking problem and a drug problem. I lived my life at that time in New York very isolated and very alone and pretty much thinking that I was better than or I would never need love in my life ever again. Wow. And so what had showed up on that day of being intervened upon was love. And so I ended up going with uh, an interventionist out to a treatment center not far from Minneapolis. And I entered a, a primary treatment center inpatient deal. And I remember it was a it was a, a early March of 2011, and there was a little snow sort of kind of falling upon the grounds. And I noticed, uh, I sat down and, and journaled for the very first time in quite a while, maybe about six months or so. And what uh, seed that was planted for me um, was how grateful I was that love had entered my life when I didn't think it was going to ever again. Love from my parents and my family, my brothers, and then uh, two very close friends. Wow. And so that was the seed of gratitude that has um, really you know, propelled me forward in the last six and a half years. I mean, so much uh, I came as I came into my life uh, six and a half years ago, um, having to face myself and, you know, face deep fears and darkness of my, of, of my own being and, and doing as I kind of started to enter into, uh, back into life after kind of going through a 28 day deal was focusing on, I guess I could sum it up in five questions. First one being like, you know, can I stay sober was a big question I had upon leaving treatment because I was hearing stories about people, you know, going, leaving that treatment center and about a day later they're back in treatment, which was crazy to me. 
two was, um, what am I going to do instead of drinking and drugging? So how am I going to fill up my time? All I knew was drinking and drugging and partying and so forth. The third piece of that was, um, who will be there and who will not sort of, um, I, as I've learned, uh, when I was very early on, like, I don't really believe I knew how to be in relationship, not just with myself, but with anyone close in my life. And then the, the fourth, uh, question was, um, am I going to experience love, joy, and beauty still in my life? What was uh, one of the first transformational experiences after you made the decision to choose love, to check yourself in, to trust your relationships? What was the you know, first experience that really showed you kind of the, the light coming through the doorway to a new path? Well, I, th- I think it's a, I don't know if there, if I would say that it was maybe like a white light moment. I think it really just took um, a lot it took more practice of discipline on my part. And I think it took um, uh, a lot of learning uh, as well. And so through that discipline and learning, it just sort of, I don't know, I can't say exactly when it happened or was there an event that happened that it, I were, it went from light to dark the love started to show up more abundantly. Like the scale started to tip mm, yeah, wow. as different than like walking through a doorway and like, I'm a changed right. human being. I'm a changed individual. It's, I guess I would say that it's a lot of plateau and then there's a little burst of growth and momentum. And then it's a lot of plateau, uh-huh. a little burst of growth and momentum. And then, and you're constantly applying reflection and rooting yourself in gratitude each time you have that burst. Yeah. You recognize it's that you're the, that's the, step That's up. the practice. That's amazing. It's sort of living in that practice. It's living in that plateau. It's, it's almost like if I was a, a martial artist and I had gotten a black belt, I'm back on the mat the next day doing the same things that got me there when I was a white belt. Yeah. Practice, practice, practice. Very cool. So what are you sharing with others? I have a new endeavor, a new project called Wild Joy, which is a lifestyle mastery coaching organization for people living in sobriety or for people that want to just live a sober life that may not have any issues or past problems or difficulties with drinking or drugging. And I think it's applied to everyone. I, I in my humble opinion, everyone sort of has what I would say change going on. Change is constant. Sometimes it's more intense than others. But I feel like what I've come up with is really a, it's a path of, of courage, joy, and learning um, rooted in, in gratitude, rooted in discipline. So what I thought was a path to my abundant happiness was the ability to do whatever I want whenever I wanted. Right. I didn't find any joy, beauty, or love in that as I drove down the dark hole with drinking and drugging. What discipline has done is it's provided that practice. It's provided those pieces around deep self-care and actions of self-care 
that I think are really at the root of my success. Yeah. So today during the open house, we talked about, we had, it was kind of broken into three different sessions. The first was movement and then healthy eating, nutrition, diet sort of talk. And then we did personal journey, vision sort of work. I guess I'd like to just follow that structure. Can we talk about movement first? Yeah, absolutely. Cool. So what does it mean to creatively move your body? So to creatively move your body for me is, I think, rooted in freedom. I guess if, uh, the freedom to have the ability and the access and the opportunities to move my body. Uh, I, I think that the most important piece I would say to this is that it has to be playful. Mm. I would want people to know that it should have an element of play, that they should feel that way when they do move. I think that is creative movement, in my opinion. Yeah. And what's an example? I love tennis. (laughs) Tennis is a sport that I've played all my life. And I used to be a... uh, I used to not enjoy it. And I still played it anyway. And now that I've mastered some mental pieces of it, I now just love to be outdoors. I love to be so focused and zoned in on on focusing on the ball and it's meditative play Uh, i'm also love the crossfit community i i love the complex movements of, of the olympic lifting and i love the gymnastics movements and by doing those exercises and and doing it for six and a half years it it has opened up the or possibility for me to do things I had never done before, which is really cool. So what is it, just like a mindset shift? Like instead of playing tennis to maybe like win or score on your opponent, you're, you're feeling how, how good it feels to move your arm and to twist your body and to feel successful in who you are. What, what does it mean to you? I think it really, it, I think it really starts with awareness. Mm-hmm. Awareness in my body. Asking myself, do I really enjoy this? Or what is my purpose for doing this? Yeah. I think sort of taking a couple steps back for me is, is important to check in with it before going into it. Also checking in with it as I'm done with it. Yeah. Why do you see movement as so connected to aliveness and purpose? I think we were born to move. I think we should move as if life depends on it because it does. To take it kind of back to that six and a half years ago where I was in treatment, I had a book that was called The New Evolution Fitness Diet. And as there was like all this talk about connecting to a higher power and all this other stuff, like the only thing that made sense to me was that I should move my body and eat better, eat well. And so those two uh, practices or those two you know, now I would call them necessities and like playful pieces of my life. You know, I, they were just, it was critical that I found them at that time. Yeah. Wow. Very cool. What is a movement habit or movement discipline that anyone of any background, any ability can add to their life? This is something I'm kind of slowly getting into, but riding your bicycle. There's a couple reasons for that. One, I think it's safe on joints and safe on, um, you know, any kind of like, you know, uh, 
kind of wham bam things that you can do to your body i also feel like it's easy to ask someone to go for a bike ride and you can have uh, a sense of connection with someone as you're riding bicycles together and you're outside whether or not if it's sunny or not but you're outside you're enjoying being outside or that kind of nature therapy piece mm-hmm. and I just think that it, it, it's a really calm but really kind of playful experience uh, or activity someone can do. Yeah. I personally love biking as a replacement for driving. Anything that's within two or three miles, I choose to bike to now because you don't have to abide by all the rules of driving. You don't have to deal with ads on the radio. You don't have to you know, spend gas money and get more oil changes and whatever. I just I love biking. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm kind of, I, a good friend of mine just outfitted me with a bike finally, and he's been trying to for a few years, so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm getting back, I'm getting back to it, so. Very cool. Well, let's talk about eating now. Sure. Um, there was a quote today about how you knew that, you were running sprints and eating like a caveman, uh, (laughs) to get you through sobriety. Can you expound a little bit on the caveman piece? Yeah, sure. So essentially what I uh, found as my as my path in, in nutrition and, and dieting was what's known as, I guess in these days, is the paleo diet. Mm-hmm. So the paleo diet kind of has this um, catchphrase that it was the caveman diet. So focusing on uh, lean meats, uh, lots of vegetables some fruits, nuts, seeds, um, and little starch and sort of, um, just many different varieties of it being cooked or not cooked in terms of the vegetables, not the meat. Um, the world, you know, (laughs) uh, if you're really ambitious, you could go for it. Uh, but so yeah, the, the whole, like, kind of taking like, as I reset my life back in treatment, I guess the two things that made it made kind of interesting sense to me that why not throw it way back to when we were hunters and gatherers, like there was something, the language spoke to me that it was the only thing that really made any sense to me was like, well, this makes sense. What were you eating like before that? I wasn't eating. (laughs) Um, Probably junk food, burgers, pizza, uh, was not a, I mean, obviously when in, in the throngs of, of alcoholism and addiction, there's really no balance one can have nutritionally or within their body whatsoever. Yeah. Uh, and so, so you think that, that the paleo diet supported your ability to be sober? I would say that it was the interest in learning how to cook and, and, and cook my own food, the principles of the diet and sort of the philosophies made sense to me. Um, I will say that, you know, for some people it isn't the right thing, but for some reason it's what made sense to me. And I started to find uh, really great results. I felt better. I had more energy. Um, and I started to do this pretty much the first day I, I got into treatment and, and I kind of got made fun of by my group mates and stuff, they always thought like, oh, hey, look at the bunny eating all of his vegetables. <laughs> um, but, you know, the funny thing is, is that I, I guess I didn't really care because I, I, 
I really did. I started to feel better. I felt more in my body. I, I, a lot of people in treatment were focused on, you know, not changing anything really like drinking sodas, uh, smoking cigarettes, which I ended up quitting shortly after leaving treatment. Um, lots of desserts and sugars. And Mm -hmm. I guess those are all vices in their own right. And to me, it just was like, if I'm going, it's, I guess I looked at it as if I had a, a, a bout of cancer. Like if, if, if my alcoholism is, is like cancer, I needed to change everything there was about me. Yeah. So it wasn't a coincidence that you started the paleo diet on day one. That was very intentional. No, the, 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 the only reason I probably did was because that book I was talking about, that new evolution fitness diet. Did you seek it out or did it? No, I, in a mad scramble to collect some things in my house before I left for treatment. And I, I had just gotten back from New York about two days prior to that. And so somehow that book kind of found its way into my book bag. So I, I don't know why I picked that book up on in sort of sort of a mad scramble or mad grab to take some things out. I didn't even bring underwear, but I brought that book. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's incredible. So the book seems more necessary in your journey. <laughs> it was meant to be in my book bag. Ken, uh, today you read a really cool quote about deliciousness as it relates to healthfulness. Could you reread that quote? Sure. So just to take care of copyright issues, this is a book called How to Eat by Thich Nhat Hanh and copyrighted by Parallax Press. <laughs> so this is called Bon Appetit. Before eating, we wish people will have a good appetite. We say Bon Appetit, just as before going to sleep, we say good night. In Vietnamese, they say, please have a sweet, delicious sleep. In Vietnamese, the word delicious always goes together with the word healthy. So delicious food must be healthy food. We eat delicious food in order to have strength and good health. Food that is tasty but destroys our bodies and our minds is not healthy. When you eat with mindfulness, you consume deliciously. If you don't feel happy, if you don't feel good enough, then you have to inquire of those who practiced a long time, can you help me? How can I taste the moment deliciously? Wow, that's really cool. So this is a little book I keep uh, in my kitchen. And uh, before every meal I I eat, uh, especially with my girlfriend, Julia, we make sure that we pick out uh, a little blessing before we eat eat our meal. Wow. Part of the practice, daily practice. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. It's uh, a cool little book. Yeah, it seems like your passion for, for food and the way you eat it um, has spilled over to other people in your life. Uh, today I was talking with um, another person there and he was talking about how you guys went to Nicaragua together for sort of a food retreat sort of thing. Yeah, culinary adventure. Yeah. Uh, can you talk about what that's about? Yeah, so... So there's a couple things that kind of happened with um, kind of in my story of becoming a chef. And that is that I met uh, another gentleman named Nick uh, along my path. Uh, his name just so happens to be Paleo Nick. I'm the other Paleo Nick. 
I had an idea to sort of create a paleo inspired food business. And I noticed that uh, the paleo Nick was going to be hosting a seminar at my CrossFit gym. And I'm like, and at the time I would say this would have been about five years ago. And there was really only a small handful of people that were doing anything in the paleo world or in the paleo diet. And he was one of them. And I'm like, holy cow, like this guy's coming to my gym. Like, this is so cool. So I attended the, the seminar and I just knew I wanted to learn from him. He had a really extensive background in, in becoming a chef and working his way through multiple kitchens. But I think what stood out to me with Nick was that he just had a strong vision for what he was doing. And he was just a very humble and kind and passionate individual. Um, very thoughtful too. I heard your girlfriend say the exact same description about you today. <laughs> well, we we're we're both named Nick. The <laughs> Paleo Nick and myself have, gosh, we've gone to the CrossFit Games, which have been out in California and Madison, Wisconsin. We just have a, a an incredibly storied history. We've gone to Nicaragua and Thailand and Alaska together, and it's just been a really incredible individual that has uh, supported my path along the way and, and who's supported me in, in my endeavors and my relationships and my journey of sobriety. Yeah. And so I guess it, there's a, there's a piece of this that I guess is like you want to seek out people that have something you want. And he was one of those people sort of seeking out a guide or seeking out someone that is an expert. And he was that expert not just in the paleo food realm but an expert in in how to really show up in life as well as a, as a great human being yeah so what do you recommend for people looking to find these mentors in their life how did you how did you find yours or when you find them how do you take that leap of faith to ask them to to take you on the journey in my experience I think that the biggest thing I had to do is to show up in the places that I, you know, show up to wherever I'm going. Um, maybe show up to the CrossFit gym or show up to a meeting or show up to a, a, a yoga studio. Um, I think that's the first step is that I have to get out of myself or out of my apartment or out of my house and get myself out there into the world or else I wouldn't meet anyone. Yeah. So showing up to that place is the first step. Gosh, I think that the other piece of it all is, I think it's something tells me that it, in my experience that it was, in, it was an intuitive thing. Like I needed to know something. I needed something more from this person. Yeah. I wasn't just going to walk away when I met Nick without like not just handing him my business card or my phone number, but like. I wanted his email and I wanted to follow up in a, in a strong way or like in a very like passionate, like, wow, like what you're doing is great. I want to be a part of this. Did it take uh, getting over fear to be able to do that? Or did it just feel so natural? It just felt, that felt natural. That's awesome. I think when I, also when I met my girlfriend for the very first time, I knew I wanted to know her Yeah. and I made sure that we had a date on the calendar for the next time we would meet up. Because I'm like, I can't walk away without having some other opportunity to meet up with this person. Yeah. And I think for the most part, like, I guess there was this fear, like the fear in asking for help. I had that fear. 
And it's amazing, like, if I can come from that place of love, and maybe I didn't even know what I was doing then, for the most part, the good people that you want to stick with in your life are going to say, yes, let's sit down and have a cup of coffee. Those are the people you really probably want to stay next to. Those are the people you want to have in your life. Yeah. Has there been any big challenges or tests since you've been sober that have uh, really forced you to rely on those relationships? Yeah, all sorts of, uh, I'd say the two major pieces are, you know, kind of going through some, you know, couple breakups in, in my relationships with other, with other people. Uh, I'd say the other the biggest one was choosing to sell this paleo business I had, I had co-founded with, with someone else and, uh, practicing the art of surrender and the art of letting go. It was, uh, it was something that I had, uh, gosh, I created here out of my kitchen and something that was uniquely mine or I, as I, you know, in a way wasn't really mine, but in my mind, it was, it was something very dear to my heart, I will say. And to have to let that go was really hard. And so one of the things that, you know, uh, that had happened was, I'll bring it back to the Paleo Nick, is that by that door closing, I guess another door opened. I started to work more uh, closely and got involved more with the Paleo, the Paleo Nick and it just sort of, I don't know, like more opportunities started to come about that I didn't even realize were really available until one thing came to an end. Very cool. What makes you just uh, able to let go? Is it a process? Is it one day you're just like, I'm done with this? It's something I may know about it like for a while, but it takes that courage to to walk away or to surrender completely Mm -hmm. to it. So I think that there's a lot of practice and a lot of support that is needed in order to make a decision like that. So having the right people in place to support you, uh, that love and support, being able to pick up the phone and call someone and say, well, gosh, this is what's going on. Um, And having someone pick up on the other line and say, you know, listen, but is it something that you just easily let go. I, I, I just don't, I don't think it, you, I think you do in the physical realm, but it, it always has some impact. It's sort of like the Tao. It's sort of like the how things are in a way. Like there's whatever action or decision I make is going to have an impact moving forward, whether or not I, I decide to hold on to something or decide to let something go. Yeah. There's always... I don't know, maybe there's always something still to kind of be revealed or there's more life to be lived in a way. So after you let go of your first entrepreneurial endeavor, you're on to your second. I'm on to my second. That's wild joy. That's wild joy. Very cool. Can you talk about some of the impacts that that's having on the lives of others? Yeah. So I think that the biggest thing that I'm, I'm recognizing is that that there is a definite need for the types of services I'm offering or the type of vision I'm trying to bring out into the world 
the challenge is that people aren't maybe sure that they're needed just yet. It's maybe I'm still kind of maybe a little bit before the time of the need in a, in a way. But what I will say is that the, the strongest parts that I think are being delivered uh, in terms of the vision that I have for it is that people are finding a strong sense of belonging to the Wild Joy tribe and community that's here in Minneapolis. They're finding a, a great sense of joy and, and, and uh, a community to really be alive. And, and I think at the, the mission of what I'm trying to create is like building creative solutions to support life in sobriety. So I do like essentially like I just want to build opportunities and creative opportunities for people to feel supported along their path of sobriety. It isn't just meetings and meetings and meetings anymore. I think that there needs to be a, a more support, more creative activities for people to do and uh, other communities for people to really feel a sense of belonging to. And I think that this whole lifestyle mastery piece is that it, it, this whole mastery piece is, is really about practice and it's really about discipline and about culminating uh, those two disciplines in order to kind of carry out more success in one's recovery and sobriety. Yeah. So as we each are in our daily practice, what are some questions that we should be asking ourselves? What are some intentional actions and experiences we should be trying to to take or to have? At the end of our day? Or as we go through our, our daily practice of mastery of our own life or creativity and joy? And I'd say that my best answer for that is I think it still comes down to my purpose. Like, is it fueling my purpose? Uh, what's present and missing? Or what's present that's supporting my purpose and vision? What's missing that if we're present would contribute more to my purpose? Mm -hmm. So having those that kind of distinction between that present and missing. That daily check-in for me of... Am I coming from that place of love or am I coming from that place of fear? Building that awareness up. How do you help people find their purpose? I have them write their own eulogy. Really? <laughs> wow, that's fascinating. And focusing on what contributions do you want to leave behind and what do you want to be remembered for? And you get to pick how you go out and when you go out hmm. of this world or of this life. Wow. So I'll share mine. Yeah, I want to hear yours. What's your yeah, my purpose, purpose is... So my purpose is to create a path of courage, joy, and aliveness by living in gratitude. Wow. Thank you for doing just that. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank, thank you, you very much. Do you, you, have, any, do, you have a, do you have a purpose? Yeah, I think mine is related to communicating uh, between people of different different backgrounds that don't necessarily speak to one another. I want to understand all the different angles and sides. I want to be a person of diversity and then spread that to bring the greatest opportunity for unity and communion between society um, so that people at an individual level can live out their greatest strengths and live with a direction that is personally fulfilling to them. And that's all regenerative and manifested in even the subtlest of interactions, creating a kinder society, more empathetic, and 
having more intentionality to our actions. So yeah, something like that. <laughs> something like that. Oh, it sounds good. Out. Yeah. Cool. Love it. Do you have any final uh, nuggets or advice or any parable or some sort of story or something people should purchase, some book or thing to listen to or one or two things maybe to help them to find their dream, stay true to their dream, follow through with it? Yeah, I will say you should visit my website, www.wildjoy.com, www.wildjoy.com. Cool. And there's a lot of information there, but I think that the biggest thing that I can let the audience go with is, gosh, I think it's stick with the people that have something you want. I don't think that that's, again, it's coming back to finding the right people in your life to support and love you as you go out and take risks and really try to play the edge of living life. Wow. Very cool. Yeah. Hope you keep playing the edge. (laughs) Same to you. Good luck. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks, mate. Yeah. Pleasure. So what actionable step are you going to take next? Do you have a lingering question or something you want help working through? Do you need support in doing what it's going to take to live your purpose? People of Purpose is here for you. Subscribe to the podcast and soak in the stories and words of our wonderful guests. Do you have any friends that might enjoy this episode or the podcast? Bring them on board as a podcast subscriber. If you want to actually see the guests behind the voices, as well as the purposeful people and communities I'm a part of around the world, follow the podcasting journey on Instagram at People of Purpose Podcast. You can connect with our purpose-seeking community on Facebook at People of Purpose by liking and following our page. Know the minute each new episode is published, hear first about upcoming People of Purpose opportunities, and receive regular tidbits of inspiration and media I'm purposely perusing, pursuing, and pondering. It's simply a regular dose of goodness, intentionally filtered by me, to nourish your personal path of purpose. For the ultimate engagement, join our intentional group Purpose Seekers from the Facebook page. Join in longer form discussions, link up with accountability partners, and share in opportunities and challenges to better know and grow in your purpose. Send me a direct message on either Facebook or Instagram if you want to talk privately and receive personalized guidance on how to raise your sails and write your ship. Come forth with your biggest dreams and aspirations, and I will do my best to connect you with the necessary resources and mentors from my network to start your trek along your personal path of purpose. Cheers, and here's to becoming 